Welcome to this reading of the Poem of the Man-God, the private revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. Now out of print, this five-volume set of books is a narration of the life of Jesus, which extends from the birth and childhood of the Virgin Mary through the public ministry of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, and closes with the Assumption into Heaven. The narration is interspersed with direct dictations from Jesus for the sake of the whole world. These highly inspired visions were recorded by Maria Valtorta around the time of World War II, yet she did not consider herself the author. They were first published without her name shortly before her death, and only posthumously was her name added. My sole aim with this podcast is to share this lost treasure with the world. I hope you will enjoy them as much as I have. And if you do, please share them. Thank you for listening. Poem of the Man God, Book 1, Number 14. Joseph and Mary Arrive in Nazareth. A very blue sky of a mild February is over the hills of Galilee. The gentle hills that I have never seen in the early history of Mary are now instead as familiar to me as if I were born there. The main road is fresh-looking because of last night's rain, and it is neither dusty nor muddy. It is hard and clean as if it were the street of a town, and it runs between two hedges of hawthorn in bloom. The hedges are so white that they look like a snowfall. The scenery is broken by the monstrous conglomerations of cacti, with thick leaves like pallets, spiked with stings and decorated with the huge grenades of their peculiar fruits, grown without stem on the top of the leaves. Because of their color and shape, the cactus leaves always give me the impression of sea depths and coral reefs, of jellyfish and other deep-sea animals. Beyond the hedge grows, there is the country. The purpose of the hedges is to fence in the grounds of the various owners, and thus they stretch in every direction, forming a strange geometrical design of curves and angles, lozenges, squares, semicircles, and the most unbelievable acute and obtuse angled triangles, a design all sprayed with white, like a strange ribbon thrown over the country just for fun, and over which hundreds and hundreds of birds fly, chirp, sing, in the joy of love, while working to build their nests. In the fields the corn is taller than in Judea, the meadows are full of flowers, and there are hundreds of fruit trees, all in bloom, that look like clouds of vegetables, white, red, pink, with all gradations of these colors. They seem to be an answer to the light clouds in the sky which the setting sun paints pink, lilac, light periwinkle violet, opal blue, and coral orange. With the light evening breeze, the first petals fall from the trees in blossom, and they seem a swarm of little butterflies searching for pollen on wild flowers. And from tree to tree there are festoons of vines, still barren, except at the top of the festoons where there is more sunshine, and the first little innocent, surprised, trembling leaves are beginning to open. The sun is setting peacefully in the sky, which is so benign in its deep blue, the light makes it even more limpid and causes the snow on Mount Hermon and other faraway mountaintops to shine. A wagon is moving along the road. It is the wagon that is carrying Joseph, Mary, and her cousins. Their journey is at an end. Mary is looking with the eagerness of those who want to know, nay, want to recognize what they have already seen, but can no longer remember, 
and they smile when a faint memory comes back to them and rests like a light on this or that thing, on this or that point. Elizabeth, Zacharias, and Joseph help her to remember, pointing to various places and houses. Nazareth is already showing its houses, spread out on the undulations of its hills. Lit up from the left by the setting sun, it shows the white of its low, wide little houses, bordered in pink and surmounted by terraces. Some of them, fully illuminated by the sun, seem to be near a fire, so red are the fronts of the houses because of the sun. That also lights up the water of the ponds and of the low wells, with practically no parapets, and from which squeaky pails of water are being pulled up for the houses, as well as water bags for the orchards. Children and women rush to the side of the road and look into the wagon and greet Joseph, who is well known to them, but they are somewhat embarrassed and shy with regard to the other three travelers. But when the wagon enters the little town, there is no longer any embarrassment or shyness. Many people of all ages are gathered at the entrance of the village under a rustic arch of flowers and branches, and there is an outburst of shrill voices and a tossing of branches and flowers as soon as the wagon appears from behind the corner of the last house lying before it in the country. It is the women, girls, and children of Nazareth greeting the bride. The men, more grave, are standing behind the excited and shouting crowd, and they are greeting solemnly. The wagon is not covered now by the tent, which was removed before reaching the village, both because the sun was no longer annoying them, and to enable Mary to see her native land. Mary thus appears in all the beauty of a lovely flower, white and blonde like an angel. She smiles lovingly at everybody, at the children who throw her flowers and kisses, at the girls of her own age who call her by name, at the elderly women who bless her with their cheerful voices. She bows to the men, and particularly to one who is perhaps the rabbi or the elder of the town. The wagon proceeds slowly along the main road, followed for a considerable distance by the crowd for whom the arrival is an event. "'There is your house, Mary,' says Joseph, pointing with his whip to a little house which is just under the edge of an undulation of the hill. Behind the house there is a lovely large kitchen garden, all in bloom, at the end of which there is a small olive grove. Behind the olive grove there is the usual boundary hedge of hawthorn cactus. The fields that once belonged to Joachim are farther beyond.' As you can see, very little is left for you, says Zacharias. Your father's illness was a long and expensive one. Also, the expenses to repair the damage done by the Romans were heavy. See, the road took away the three main rooms, and the house was cut down in size. In order to enlarge it without excessive expenses, a part of the mountain was adapted, where the grotto is. Joachim kept his supplies there, and Anne her looms. You will do as you think best. Oh, does not matter if only a little is left. It will be sufficient for me. I will work. No, Mary. It is Joseph who is speaking. I will work. You will do nothing but weave and sew things for the house. I am young and strong, and I am your husband. Please do not humiliate me with your work. I shall do as you wish. Yes, in this case I do want it. In everything else your wishes are the law, but not in regard to this. They have arrived. The wagon stops. The two women and two men, about forty and fifty years of age, respectively, are at the entrance, and many children and young boys are with them. "'May God give you peace, Mary,' says the elder man, and one of the women approaches Mary, embracing and kissing her. "'He is my brother Alpheus, and she is Mary, his wife, and these are their children. 
They have come to greet you and to tell you that their house is yours, if you wish so, says Joseph. Yes, come, Mary, if it is painful for you to live by yourself. The country is beautiful in springtime, and our house is in the middle of fields of flowers, and you will be the loveliest flower there, says Mary of Alpheus. Thank you, Mary. I would come so willingly, but I am so anxious to see and recognize my own home. I left it when I was a little girl, and I have forgotten what it is like. Now I have found it again, and I feel I have found also my lost mother, my beloved father, and that I can hear the echo of their words, and I smell the perfume of their last breathing. I feel I am no longer an orphan, because once again I have around me the embrace of these walls. Please understand me, Mary. Mary's voice trembles, and her eyes begin to shine with tears. Mary Valfius replies to her, "'As you wish, my dear. I want you to feel that I am your sister and friend.' and also a mother to you, since I am so much older than you are. The other woman has come forward. Hello, Mary, I am Sarah, your mother's friend. I saw you being born, and this is Alpheus, Alpheus's nephew, and a great friend of your mother. What I did for your mother I am willing to do for you, if you wish so. See, my house is the nearest to yours, and your fields are now ours. But if you want to come, come whenever you wish. We will open a passage through the hedge, and we shall all be together, yet each of us will be at home. This is my husband. Thank you all for everything. Thank you for all the good you did to my parents and for your love for me. May God the Almighty bless you for it. The heavy trunks are unloaded and carried into the house. They go in. I now recognize the little house of Nazareth as it was during the life of Jesus. Joseph takes Mary by her hand, and they go in. On the threshold, he says to her, And now, on this threshold, I want to promise for you that whatever may happen to you, whatever you may need, there is no other friend whom to apply to but Joseph, and that, for no reason whatsoever, may you worry all by yourself. Remember that I am everything for you, and it will be a joy for me to make your life happy, and since happiness is not always in our power, I will at least make it peaceful and safe. I do promise, Joseph. The door and windows are opened. The last searching rays of the sun enter. Mary has now taken off her mantle and veil because, with the exception of the myrtle flowers, she has still had her bridal dress on. She still then goes into the kitchen garden in bloom. She looks and smiles, still held by the hand of Joseph. She goes around the garden. She looks as if she were taking possession of a lost place, and Joseph shows her his work. See, I dug a hole here to gather the rainwater because these vines are always thirsty. I cut off the oldest branches of this olive tree to strengthen it, and I transplanted these apple trees because two of them had withered. Over there I planted some figs. When they grow up, they will shelter the house both from the excessive heat of the sun and from inquisitive people. The pergola is the old one. I only changed the rotten poles, and I did some trimming. It will give you a lot of grapes, I hope. And here, look, and he leads her proudly towards the side of the hill at the back of the house, which limits the northern side of the garden. Here I dug a grotto, and I have reinforced it, and when these little plants take roots, it will be almost identical to the one you had. There is no spring, but I hope to convey a little stream here. I will work in the long summer evenings when I come to see you. Well, what do you mean? asks Alpheus. Are you not getting married this summer? No. Mary wants to weave her woolen clothes, the only things missing from her trousseau. And I agree with her. Mary is so young that it does not matter if we wait for a year or more. In the meantime, she will get used to the house. 
Well, you have always been somewhat different from other people, and you still are. I do not know who would not be in a hurry to get married to a beautiful flower like Mary, and you are delaying things by months. A joy awaited for a long time is a joy to be taken delight in more intensely, replies Joseph with a gentle smile. His brother shrugs his shoulders and asks, Well then, when are you thinking of getting married? When Mary is sixteen, after the Feast of the Tabernacles, the winter evenings will be sweet for the newlyweds. And he smiles again, looking at Mary, a smile of a gentle secret understanding, a smile of a brotherly chastity giving comfort. He then resumes his tour of the garden. This is the big room under the mountain. If you agree, I will use it as a workshop when I come here. It is joined to the house, but not in the house, so I will not annoy you with noises and disorder. However, if you wish otherwise... No, Joseph, that is perfectly all right. They go back to the house and light the lamps. Mary is tired, says Joseph. Let us leave her in peace with her cousins. They all say goodbye and go out. Joseph stays for a few moments and speaks to Zecharias in a low voice. Your cousin is leaving Elizabeth with you for a little while. Are you happy? I am, because she will help you to become a perfect housewife. With her you will be able to arrange your things and your furniture, and I will come every evening to help you. With Elizabeth you can purchase the wool and whatever you may need, and I will see to the expenses. Remember, you have promised to come to me for everything. Goodbye, Mary. Sleep the first night as the landlady of this house, and may the angel of God make your sleep peaceful. May the Lord be always with you. Goodbye, Joseph. May you also be under the wings of God's angel. Thank you, Joseph, for everything. As far as I can, I will requite your love with mine. Joseph says goodbye to her and her cousins and goes out. And the vision ends with him. The poem of the man, God, book one, number 15, conclusion to the pre-gospel. And Jesus says directly to Maria, The cycle is over. It has been so sweet and gentle. And with it, your Jesus has taken you out of the turmoil of these days without any shock like a baby enveloped in soft woolen swaddling clothes and laid on soft cushions you have been immersed in those blissful visions so that you might not perceive the cruelty of men who hate instead of loving one another and be terrorized by such ferocity you could no longer endure certain situations and i do not want you to die because of them because i take care of my mouthpiece the reason why victims have been tortured by utter despair is about to cease in the world. Therefore, Mary, the time of your dreadful suffering for too many reasons, in such strong contrast with your feelings, will come to an end as well. But your suffering will not cease. You are a victim. But part of it, the latter, will cease. Then the day will come when I will say to you, as I said to Mary of Magdala when she was dying, Rest. It is now time for you to rest. Give me your thorns. It is now time for roses. Rest and wait. I bless you, O blessed soul. That is what I was saying to you, and it was a promise which you did not understand, as the time was approaching when you were to be immersed in it, rolled over, chained and filled with thorns in the deepest darkness. I am repeating that to you now, with the joy which only the love, which I am, can feel when it can stop one of its beloved from suffering. I am now telling you that the time of sacrifice is ceasing, and I, who know, say to you, on behalf of the world which does not know, on behalf of Italy, of Viareggio, of this little village where you brought me, 
meditate on the meaning of these words. I say to you, thanks, as is due to holocausts for their sacrifices. When I showed you, Cecily, the virgin spouse, I told you that she became impregnated with my perfumes, behind which she dragged her husband, brother-in-law, servants, relatives, friends. You played the role of Cecily in this mad world, and you do not know, but I am telling you, I who know. You became saturated with me, with my word. You informed people of my desires, and the best among them understood, and following you, a victim. Many more have risen. And if your fatherland and the places dearer to you are not completely ruined, that is due to the fact that many victims have been consumed after your example and your ministry. Thank you, my blessed one. But go on. I have great need to save the earth, to buy the earth again, and you, victims, are the money. May wisdom, which taught saints and teaches you directly, elevate you more and more in the understanding of the science of life and in its practice. Pitch your little tent near the house of the Lord. Nay, pitch the pegs of your own dwelling in the abode of wisdom and live there without ever coming out. You will rest under the protection of the Lord who loves you, like a bird among flowery branches, and he will shelter you from all spiritual storms, and you will be in the light of the glory of God, from whom words of peace and truth will descend for you. Go in peace. I bless you, O blessed soul. And immediately afterwards, Mary says, A present to Mary, for her feast from mother, a chain of presents, and if there were some thorns amongst them, do not complain to the Lord who has loved you as he has loved few people. I told you at the beginning, write about me, all your sorrows will be comforted. You can now see that it was true. This gift had been put aside for this time of excitement, because we do not take care only of the spirit, but we also look after matter, which is not the queen, but a useful servant to the spirit, in fulfilling its mission. Be grateful to the Most High, who is really a father to you, also in an affectionately human sense, and lulls you with sweet ecstasies to conceal from you what would frighten you. Love me more and more. I have led you into the secrecy of my early years. You know now everything about mother. Love me as daughter and sister in our destiny of victims, and love God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit with perfect love. The blessing of the Father, of the Son, and of the Spirit passes through my hands, is scented with my motherly love for you, and it descends and rests upon me, upon you. Be supernaturally happy.